And um, we're not going to, we uh, not today, but the main doctrine that we're going to work on today is the one of laying on of hands. There's other doctrines, and um, uh, I may I may hit them a little bit, but today, but we'll probably be talking about more. This is a foundation, a foundation that every believer should have under their belt. And if you don't, I'd have to question whether you're born again. Okay, therefore, verse one of Hebrews six, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ. And these are the elementary teachings. These are the ABCs of being a Christian, ABCs. These are the elementary things. Okay, so that if you've got these under your belt, you're able to move on. You you understand what I'm saying? These are the ABCs. Okay, and so. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. You all understand repentance from dead works. Okay, and of faith towards God. You all understand faith towards God. You have to have both those things in order to get born again. But the repentance area is one that continues on and on your whole life. It's it's a, a place of repentance in, in, you know, first John, um, first John one, is it four? One, four, I believe just a minute here. First, anyway, repentance. Everybody understand what that is? Okay. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, I'm not finding it folks. I know exactly where it is too. Ah, oh, yes. Why did I have a four in there? Yes, yes, yes. John one, nine. Okay. No. <laughs> huh? Is it First John? Yeah, that's what I thought. Why am I looking past it? First John one. No. One nine. Okay. No. <laughs> huh? The one about uh, forgiveness. Well, anyway, we have to repent. Ask for forgiveness and and for and to receive forgiveness and cleansing. One one John one. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. First John. Everybody needs to repent. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Okay, First John one. Oh man, that's right there. Okay. I was looking, I was looking below it. Sorry guys. Anyway, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So basically we need to walk that out every moment of every day. We need to repent if we've made a mistake and we need to be quick to do that. And I had this picture when I was looking at this yesterday. We need to be quick. Have you ever seen a bunch of ravenous wolves go after a piece of red meat or roadkill? Birds chasing roadkill on the road and there's blood everywhere. That's what happens when we don't repent. We we give the enemy, the devil, a place to attack. Right? You all agree with that? (laughs) It's just like wolves attacking, attacking. The demonic influences attack you when you've stepped out into a place where you need to repent. 
You stepped out into a place of unrighteousness and you need to repent. It's just like it's just like roadkill. Like roadkill. I mean, I hate to see roadkill. You know, I deal with spiders differently than most people do. <laughs> but I hate to see roadkill. You know what I mean? But that's exactly what it is when you step out into a place of unrighteousness. You open yourself up to an attack from the enemy. You're roadkill. You're roadkill. He, he comes, the devil, you know, he comes. Oh, this is good. <laughs> he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes, he runs around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Devour, just like roadkill. They're, they're looking for somebody to devour. So that's why we have to be in a place of, of, of right standing or righteousness. That's why repentance is so important. It's not a one-time shot and I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. Repentance is something that we have before us all the time. We have the opportunity to come before God and say, Hey, I am sorry. I repent for this. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all righteousness. And then you move right back into a right standing position and you're not roadkill for anything. Amen? Okay, anyway, that was a whole long speech that wasn't part of my message. All right, um, so uh, go back to Hebrews 6, please. Thanks for all the help finding that scripture verse. Usually I can turn right to it. Anyway, Hebrews 6, 1, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. So it's st- we need to stop being involved in the ABCs. We need to move on. We need to get the ABCs under our belt and move on. Okay. Not laying again a foundation of repentance for dead works and having faith toward God. Faith toward God, not faith in yourself accomplishing the task. Faith towards God. Okay, in verse 2 of the instruction about washings. Now, uh, King James says baptisms. There's three baptisms. And um, there's one when... Um, when you accept Jesus as Lord, and then there's then there's the, and that's the main one. Um, the other two you don't have to have to get to heaven, but then there's the baptism of water, and then there's the baptism of Holy Spirit. Okay, and so I wasn't really going to go into too much of that. Uh, I could, but um, I want to get to laying on hands, the, which is the next one. It's a doctrine. The laying on hands is a doctrine. And most churches do not acknowledge the laying on of hands. They may put their hand on somebody and say, oh, you're commissioned to go into ministry. But they don't know the churches do not know anything about the power that's in our hands. And each one of you, if you're born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, you carry power in your hands. You carry the power of God in your hands. I mean, you think about that. When you lay hands on the sick, it says in Mark 16, they will recover. I don't hear a but in there. I don't hear a doubt or unbelief. Do you? When we lay hands on the sick, they recover. Why is that? It's not you doing that. It's not you that has has the ability to make them recover. But it's the God in you. It's the power in your hands. All All you have to do is lay your hands on. That's all you have to do. Well, besides believe that there's power in your hands. You know, you have to have faith in what God has said. You have to have faith in that. But all you have to do is just be obedient to go do it. And I mean, there's so much of that that the Holy Spirit taught me 
about laying on a hands that I didn't hear anywhere from anybody. I never had anybody instruct me. I just did what I felt prompted to do by the Holy Spirit in laying on of hands. And I've told you a lot about when I lay on hands, you know, different things. The Holy Spirit will tell me to lay it here. And a lot of times that's where the, the main problem is in that in that person. Or he'll have me do that, lay something, lay my hand over here. Or sometimes it's just a command of blessing. Sometimes it's to command their inner man to rise up. I've told you a lot of these things already. But but the laying on of hands is so important to the body of Christ to do what the body of Christ has been called to do here. Amen. It's so important. And, and you guys need to uh, know, I need to know, I need to have a greater revelation of what the power that's in these hands, the power that's in these hands, the understanding of it, and that we're, we're equipped to lay hands on the sick and they do recover. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amazing. It was God doing that. Yes, and especially if there's a group of people like that. Sometimes uh, sometimes the anointing like that... Um, uh, there was a couple I just ministered to recently, and I never laid hands on the lady, but I did the guy. And I've seen this before where the anointing, someone else has a need, the anointing will get sucked over to this person to meet that need, even though my hands weren't laid on, my hands were over here ministering to this gentleman here. And sometimes I can tell when the anointing goes over there and I'm going, Okay, wait a minute. I'm over here, you know, but, but that time I did and she had received her healing. I did not know it, but she told me later on in the week that she'd received her healing. And so, so sometimes you, you just be obedient to do what you know you're supposed to do and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Amen. Amen? Okay. So that was, um, that was, uh, laying on a hands and verse two, uh, a uh, C. So we're, one is laying a foundation of repentance. Number two is faith towards God. Number three is the baptisms. Number four is the laying on of hands. Number five is the resurrection of the dead. And number six is eternal judgment. Okay? So those are the six doctrines that we all need to understand and have under our belt, the ABCs. And so today I want to focus on the laying on of hands. Okay? So there's six doctrines, and one of them is the laying on of hands. Okay, let's look at Genesis 48.8, please. This is a, a little bit, um, I would encourage you just to read the whole thing, but we're going to start with 48.8. And this is about um, Joseph, um, verse 8. When Israel, Israel is another name for Jacob. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? Remember, Joseph had been in Egypt and then the whole families, the families came, and so Jacob hadn't really seen his grand, his grandsons or sons. Verse 9, And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. So he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now, and see, that was a kind of a normal thing for the hands to be laid on from generation to generation to generation. Now, the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Verse 12, Then Joseph took them from his knees and and um, 
bowed with his face to the ground, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his right hand, and see, Joseph had done it one way, and then now um, uh, uh, Jacob, or Israel, was going to reverse it, and here's why. Um, but Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim. Now see, um, who was the younger? Ephraim was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands altogether, Manasseh was the firstborn. So, so he reversed it, the firstborn. The right hand carries more, um, I don't know if I want to say power or what, but it was reversed, and it was going over to Ephraim, and he explains why. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers and Abraham. And when Joseph saw that his father, verse 17, laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, which is the younger one, it displeased him and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head, which was the older one. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But Jacob, even though he couldn't see, he knew what the Spirit of God was telling him to do in that situation. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. However, your younger brother, the younger brother, or your younger son, shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations." So so the younger was going to be greater than the older, and Jacob knew that when he went to lay hands on him, so he had to put his right hand on the one that the Holy Spirit was prompting him to do. And so I just wanted to bring that to your attention a little bit, because for me, I know that my right hand is the one I use all the most of the time. If somebody ha- comes up and asks me a price, I need to get around to get my right hand on where we're going. You know, that's what, that's, to me, I understand the power that comes through my hand, my right hand especially. Now, I'm not saying that's with everybody that same way, okay? It's, it not necessarily is. Um, you just have to learn the leading of the Holy Spirit yourself and what he's doing. Amen? Okay, so let's look at Numbers 27, please. And I wanted to start out in the Old Testament because I want you to see, I want you to see that the laying on of hands is throughout the whole Bible. It's, it's not just a New Testament thing. It's, they, they did that in the Old Testament. And there's probably a lot more things that we could discuss in the Old Testament. But um, I'm just trying to hit a few of the high points. Uh, 27, 15. And um, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord... See, Moses isn't going to get to enter into the promised land. And uh, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord... The God of spirits of all flesh appoint man over the congregation. So he's asking the Lord to appoint someone and um, who will go out and come in before them and who will lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. So the, so the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. So he laid his hand on Joshua at that point in time. Verse 19, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. 
and you should put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey. So things that are imparted, authority can be imparted, blessing can be imparted, healing can be imparted by your hands. Mostly uh, you as, as lay people will be imparting a healing, but blessing as well. But to commission someone that will come from the, the authorities in the church to, to commission, lay hands on commission and release them. If you remember when Richard came, I did that to Richard. I ordained and commissioned him to, to move into what God had called him to do. Okay, so um, uh, let's look at, uh, and then you can, you can write this one down in Deuteronomy 34, 9. You can see then where the wisdom was, um, uh, where Josh functioned in a lot of wisdom. It says, because Moses had laid his hands on him. So that's another area. Okay. That was um, Deuteronomy 34, 9. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, let's go. Let's go now. Um, so hands are important to the imparting of spiritual things. Let's look at, let's go to the, uh, the New Testament. Luke 4. Luke 4. Is it warm in here, guys, or is it me? It's warm. Okay, it's warm. I don't know where that's set at back there, but... Well, we could put the fan on, too. Um, but you can tell it's stuffy. And I don't want you guys going to sleep. No. <laughs> okay, Luke 4. 40, please. 440. I'm just, we're going to run through scripture verses where you see where the, the apostles laid hands on. And while the sun, Luke 440, and while the sun was setting, all who had any sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus and laying his hands on every one of them, he was healing them all. Can you imagine how many people? They brought their family, they brought their friends, and he was laying hands on every one of them, every one of them, to bring healing in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, and let's look at um, Mark 6. We're going to clip right along now. There's a lot of scripture verses just showing you, just showing you these areas. Um, Mark 6, 5. This is in Nazareth where he could do no mighty works, um, except he could lay his, he laid, verse 5, he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. It was basically had to do with their unbelief. So he laid their hand, he laid their hands on a few sick people, okay? All right, let's look at Matthew now. Matthew 8. Okay, and so I'm going to start with 8.2. And behold, the leper came to Jesus and bowed down to him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Do you think that you could lay your hand on a leper? Mm -hmm. If you knew someone was, had, had leprosy, you know, because it's so contagious. See, you can't look at, you can't look at what's going on in that person when you lay your hands on them. 
You can't do that. Remember I told you about I laid hands on the guy that, you know, had all that junk going on between his fingers, and then, and I got fearful of it, and it got on my fingers, and then I had to repent, and, and, and I received my healing was a few days after that. But I knew exactly what I had done. I had received what was on him. You know, when you lay hands on people, you, you, you put pressure on the demonic influences. You don't let them come your direction. You go their direction. You break the power of that off of, off of that person. You don't, you don't get in fear or be in care and anxiety. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But you don't do that because you're going to let it come on you. And don't think it won't try. It will try. It will try. But you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know what the blood of Jesus has done. You have to pray. Okay, so... Eight, uh, 15, there's another one right on, 815. And, he, and, and when Jesus had come to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. That was verse 14. And he touched her hand. And the fever left, and she arose and waited on him. Amen. Matthew nine twenty nine, nine twenty nine, just right next door. When he touched their eyes, saying, "Be done to you according to your faith," and their eyes were opened. So he laid hands on their eyes. He touched their eyes in Matthew nine twenty nine. Matthew nineteen. So there, there were other ways that Jesus spoke the word, but I want you to see, I want, I want this to build up on the inside. You're knowing that there is power in your hands, and when you lay hands on the sick, they do recover. Because it's not you, it's him in you. Amen? Matthew, Matthew 19, 13 through 15. And this is, this is, you know, last week I prayed for the little children. Verse 13, then some children brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So you lay your hands on the children. You parents, lay your hands on the children. You parents with big adult kids, lay your hands on them. You know, because you're imparting a blessing, you're imparting peace, you're imparting wisdom, you're imparting healing, you're imparting strength. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I told you the story about both my kids. I would put my hand here and command God's ability to rise up in them. God's ability to rise up in them. See, God's got more that he can do for your kids than anybody else can. Because the greater one in him is going to rise up on the inside of him and accomplish. See, the word is working mightily in them, and God's to willing to do his good pleasure in them. So you've got all that backing you when you lay hands on them and command God's ability to rise up in them. Amen? You've got all that backing when you command sickness. Now, they're there under your roof, under your authority. You have authority to bring a healing and a difference to your children. You have that. Now, once they are out, they have to stand on it themselves. You could pray for them, but once your children are out from underneath, your covering or your authority, they, they have to stand themselves. 
So hopefully they've been trained up. They know what the word says about healing. They know what the word says about um, uh, peace and how to receive peace and how to receive hope. So hopefully the word of God knows you know that or they know that when they go out from underneath your covering, they have to stand. Both my kids. I mean, I can intercede for them and I can pray for them and they'll ask me to. But they're going to have to stand on their own. You know, they'll have to stand on their own. So get it under your belt now while you can. Amen. Matthew twenty thirty four. Okay. Um, so there was a 33. They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. So moved with compassion. That's another area, you know, um, compassion is a, is, a, um, is a heart towards the things of God. And there's an area of compassion and not a hardness when you pray for people. There should be an area of compassion. Wanting so bad what God wants for them. You want it so bad yourself. You want it, not for yourself, but you want it for them. That's why I said to you, the body of Christ, okay, this is Josh's heart. So it needs to be your heart. You're, you're all, we're all working together to bring about a change for the heart, the problem that was Josh was dealing with. Amen? We're to pray for the body of Christ. Because when you're, when you have a need, I have that same need. I should have that same need. The compassion should be so strong. I have that same need. And when I go into prayer, when I go into intercession, go into prayer, my heart cries as if it was my need. Does that make sense to you? My heart cries out for it to be, to to be changed, to be different. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know if I can, I'm, I'm trying to express that to you, how that works in intercession. Am I getting that across? You know, it's your heart crying out to God. You know, um, think it's Psalms talks about pouring your heart out, pouring your heart out to God. Well, we are the body of Christ, and we're all joined together, aren't we? We're we each. See, I, I may be a foot, and you may be an eyeball, but we are all in the same body. So, what you experience, I experience. I'm, I'm just trying to get this real clear to you. What you experience, I experience. So my heart cry is the same as your heart cry and bringing a difference. It should be. And if it isn't there, do you need to forgive that person? If it isn't there, do you need to repent for something else? Because, see, God, God wants the best for that situation that Josh brought before us this morning. God wants everything for that situation. That's our heart, too. That's our heart, too. That's our heart, too. Okay. All right. Did we get that good enough, Lord? <laughs> All right. Um, let's go to Mark 5. Mark 5, please. Mark 5. 22 and 23. And, again, I would encourage you to go back to these areas and read, read around them, not just because I'm picking out some of these areas. And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered about him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and upon seeing him, 
fell at his feet. What does that represent? What does that fall at his feet represent? A place of humility. And we'll see later on why that's important. And entreated him earnestly saying, "My, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. And of course, he went off. He went off with him, and a great multitude was following and pressing. And it goes on talking about the woman with the with the issue of blood. Okay, let's look at uh, Mark. Back up just a little bit. Mark one forty one. Again, this is dealing with a leper, and um, I don't think I, I. Well, there's. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Amen. Okay, Mark uh, 7. This is uh, dealing with the same thing with uh, um, verse 32. Okay, and uh, they brought to him one who was deaf and people and spoke with difficulty. So he was deaf and he spoke with difficulty. And they entreated him to lay his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, we're talking about Jesus, he touched his tongue with the saliva. You all ready to do that? Okay. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said, said to him, Apophatha, uh, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the imped- impediment of his tongue was removed, and he be- began speaking plainly. Okay? Um, Mark eight twenty two through 26. How many of you knew there was this many places where Jesus laid hands on? Huh? <laughs> okay, I take that as a no. All right, um, and they came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him and treated him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands upon him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I am seeing them like trees. Then again, verse 25, he laid his hands upon his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. If you notice me, when I do pray, when I lay hands on, I, I will um, ask people, how's your pain? Where's the pain? Do you have it or not? Is it gone? If it's not gone, I put my hand back there again. Because see, it's not my hand. It's the power of God in my hand bringing the difference. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Um, let's look at Acts. We'll jump a few here. Acts 5.12. I want you to see that, um, I don't know if this is Acts 5.12. And at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Okay, that's... um, and Acts 6, right next door. Acts 6. This is a little bit different now. Um, these are the apostles again. Um, 5 and 6. Acts 6, 5 and 6. And uh, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. They were trying to, because there was such a need there for people to have to uh, 
the widows weren't being taken care of and there was a need that direction. And so they just needed to get more people that would be devoted uh, to work in that ministry and help those people in that ministry. Amen? And so they wanted to uh, select some. So the statement, the, the congregation threw out names and the whole congregation, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and then listed all these other guys in verse 6. And then, and these they brought before the apostles, and there, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So they, those guys were selected, they laid their hands on, and they were gifted at the same time to be able, they were equipped to do the, the work of the ministry. Okay? Now, uh, um, let's look at Acts 8. Laying on of hands helps um, when you're ministering to people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They received the first baptism. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. They began laying their hands on them, receiving the Holy Spirit. So that's one way you can, uh, sometimes people, you can just take them through uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. Other, a lot of times, though, I will lay my, I like to lay my hands on because it's the power of God to, for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So laying on a hands, you can, re- you can impart what? Some, huh? Healing. Spiritual gifts. Authority. We haven't really hit too many of those, but wisdom. What else? No, they have to receive that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, those those things. Um, uh, let's see. I, I think I want to jump. Um, hmm? Blessings. Yes, that's right. I forgot that one too. Blessings. 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 Okay. I think. Yeah. Let's see, but I think we're going to do that. Um. So there's um. I'll see. There's a a few dangers in laying on hands, and I kind of hit that one already. Um, If you're standing in a position like where I am, I'm not going to be quick to lay hands on you because if I lay hands on you and and acknowledge this and this and this, and maybe you are not in a worthy position, then I am held accountable for what I commission you to do. Does that make sense? I become accountable if I lay hands on you too soon, or if I lay hands on you and you're not really uh, in a in a, a right position or you're a right place to do anything for the Lord, or maybe uh, for the wrong calling or whatever. Have you have you ever heard of some of those stories that people went up and they they were prayed for? And this one lady, she was uh, prayed for um, to receive the gift of casting out permanent waves. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, for laughing. Yeah, no, that's a true story. This lady was given the gift, hands were laid on, was given the gift of being able to cast out permanent waves. You know, years back, 
years back, people would get permanent waves in their hair. You know what I mean? And, and, she, and, and she was given the gift to cast out permanent waves. She'd have been better off to receive the gift of putting the waves in. Right, guys? Anyway, anyway see, that's nonsense, isn't it? It's nonsense. It's, it's laying empty hands on empty heads. Anyway, it, and, and see, then there's, a, there's a, an, another story I've heard where this lady, she would sit up front and she would rock. Now, I, I, I rock, but I rock when I pray, folks. And so, but she was, she was rocked during the service. There was no prayer time going on. So, so finally somebody asked, what, what's she rocking for? She says, oh, I rock. I was given the gift of rocking so that when the Holy Spirit was in the present, was in the service that I would rock. So you would know as a minister that the Holy Spirit was present. You get that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really, some people have come up with some strange gifts that they've imparted to other people. And so you, you just don't, you just don't, you just don't do that kind of stuff. You don't, they, your hands on somebody and say, you have the gift of rocking. There's no such gift, guys. Hopefully, you guys all have your Bible under your belt a little bit more than that. <laughs> but, you know, I've heard, I have heard of some strange things like that. And, and so we really have to, we really have to watch that. So I, I, I am real slow in doing anything like that, laying hands on, imparting, and placing you in a position of authority. I'm real slow about that because I know the consequences of that. And um, so the others, the second thing is to protect yourself when you lay hands on somebody. And that's what I was talking about a little bit ago. And, and of course, I always think about my, my sister when I, when I share this, you know. Um, and um, I would pray in the spirit coming and going from, from her home to Denver I pray in the spirit to keep the junk off of me because she was dealing with a high dose chemotherapy. She was dealing with cancer. And so she had me come out to do warfare and to, to you know, pray over her and speak the word. And so I, I knew that it was important that I, I need to stand in a place of resistance myself to that. Okay. Anyway, so when you come before the Lord and when you do that, you, it's in prayer and a place of humility. You know, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You resist the devil, and he flees from you. Also, in Daniel, you know, when Daniel was praying and fasting and he's waiting for the answer from the Lord, the angel came and he said, because you were in a place of prayer and humility, I have brought the answer to you. So humility is really important when you're standing against the demonic influence. Because, see, you're not, when you lay hands on somebody, it's not you doing it. You get the big head, what are you in? Pride. You're in pride. If you get the big head, look what I can do. Oh, you got to stay out of that area because you're prime, you're prime target for um, um, roadkill. Roadkill. You're prime target for roadkill <laughs> if you've got the big head when you pray for people. Okay? So, um, so you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and you resist the devil and you pray in the spirit and um, rebuke the junk off. You have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So see, you're standing in resistance when you pray for someone. When you lay hands on the sick and you're praying, you're praying for that person and you're dealing with the demonic influence on that person, you have to resist it. You can't let it come your direction. 
You have to stand in resistance to it. So you use your authority. You've all been given authority. You have the name of Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he is in this world. Be led of the Holy Spirit when you're praying for people. Be led of the Holy Spirit. Be led of the Holy Spirit when you're praying for him. Don't just be real quick about everything you go to do. Be led of the Spirit. If you're praying for someone, put your hands on them. And, and, and if you sense that they need to repent, lead them that way. Don't try to minister healing to somebody that's in a place of unforgiveness and they don't want to repent and they don't want to be right before God. It'd be better you get your hands off of them. You know, you can't, you can't deal with the demonic influence on someone that doesn't want to be free. They just want to be roadkill. You know, that's all they want to be. Okay, so use your authority. Know your protection. You know, that's why we have, we, we, we did that whole several Sundays on the blood of Jesus. Know that the blood of Jesus covers you when you go to pray for people. The blood of Jesus. Amen? Remember, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so... It, so if you're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb in, the, in ministering to people, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So you don't pray for somebody and they say, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to get that too. What? You know what he just did there? You got that? You don't pray for somebody and then confess out of your mouth, well, I'm probably going to get that too. You don't do that. That's not a testimony. Amen? Okay, so... We're led of the Holy Spirit. We use our authority. We have the blood of Jesus. We humble ourselves. We pray in the Spirit. Um, and just remember, you're laying hands on to impart God to them, not the other way around. You're imparting God to them. You know, I was meditating on this a while back, and the Lord reminded me of the seven sons of Sceva. Do you know about that story? You know, the seven sons of Sceva, and they wanted to do and be just like um, um, just like, oh, I don't forget who was casting devils out. But they wanted to be just like that person. So the seven sons of Sceva were using the name, and, and the demons rose up, and they said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And so then they attacked that guy just because that. But see, the, what the Lord ministered to me at that when I was meditating on that, that's how the body of Christ is. They don't know who they are either. So then we, when we don't know who we are and we, ha- we don't know that we have authority, we allow the demonic influences to attack us. You get that? Just like the seven sons of Sceva. I mean, we can, we can have that same principle happen to us just because we don't know we have authority and we don't know who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. So those are the things to watch when you're laying hands on people. And I, I hope you got a good picture of the fact that Jesus does lay hands on people. And there's a lot of hand laying that goes on, you know, to bring a blessing, to bring wisdom. Some of those places we didn't hit, maybe we'll hit them next week.